Welcome to Give and Take. It's a podcast where yours truly, Scott Jones, talks with artists, authors, theologians, political pundits, media people, and assorted others about the lens through which they experience life. My guests are Matt and Phil Letton. Do you think you could never go vegan? Neither did Matt and Phil, now known as the Vegan Bros. But as their straight-talking manifesto points out, you're already 90% vegan anyway. That's right. You already love animals and are eating less meat than you used to. With insider tips and inspiring stories in this book, you'll be ready to go whole hog. You see what they did there? And eat vegan for good. The book is called Vodka is Vegan, a manifesto for better living and not being an a-hole. And after talking with them, they are not a-holes, rest assured. I give you Matt and Phil Letton. Matt and Phil, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us, man. We're excited excited to to be here. No, you've written a fascinating book, Vodka is Vegan, a Manifesto for Better Living and Not Being an A-Hole. Now, there's like, I've heard this kind of, I, I don't know if it's a joke because it doesn't have a punchline. Well, I guess it sort of does. But how do you know if someone is an atheist, a CrossFitter, or a vegan, right? I've heard that one, yes. I think we might even talk about it. <laughs> I think we talk about, we that talk about book, it in possibly. the book. We talk about it in the book, yeah. Yeah, they'll, they'll tell you, right? They, that's, you know, so you guys, I, I mean... I take the a-hole part of the book as partially, partially to, be with, to be about compassion for animals and taking seriously their own well-being. But part of it also is it, it, there are some like, like, like there are religious zealots, there are fitness zealots, there are vegan zealots, right? And, so, and, and my sense is you guys are kind of like, look, some of these people give a really good thing a bad name. So we're trying to kind of get past that that sort of stereotype of the sort of angry evangelical vegan. Yeah, exactly. And said that better yeah, that's, that's perfect. And, and the independent, it's funny that it reminds us the independent actually said, it's like they described our book as the antithesis to the evangelical narrative that prevents so many people from adopting a plant-based lifestyle. And that really is what we're trying to get, yeah. get across. And part of it is, you know, that's, I mean, that is, I, I'm sort of ashamed to say, it, I'm sort of embarrassed to say, it, but that's how I sort of started my journey, started my, you know, in the beginning of my journey, I spent the first 17 years of my life eating meat and he's, he did his first 24 ish years of his life. But, you know, I learned, I eventually learned how animals were treated and I was horrified. I was shocked. And I, yeah, wasn't there was like a concert or something. Yeah. And somebody was saying like, Hey, my friend got like jailed for just releasing animals, you know, that were going to be killed. And you're like, gosh, that sucks. Oh, totally. Exa- exactly. And it's, it's interesting that that was the way that it affected me because that, I mean, that's, we can go deeper into that. But, but it, it was like that was my first time hear, hearing about that stuff. And then I got a leaflet and it showed how the animals were treated. And it was like, it, it shocked me. Like I was horrified. Assault. It's this four, full frontal assault. And it's also like, you know, on one hand, I'm eating meat at every single meal. And, I'm claim- and then on the, on the other hand, I'm claiming to care about animals. And now I'm being shown all this this fucked up shit about the meat industry where it's just like that you didn't even animal. know you were uh, you were I had contributing no, to really yeah it's like i have i had no idea like i'm claiming i care about animals but now i'm i'm funding i'm basically funding the worst shit i could ever even imagine um so you know like most people when i learned about it you know i was like i want to make some changes i didn't go vegan overnight but i i stopped eating meat and i about three years later i went vegan and it, for some reason it's like when i went vegan we like to call it the angry abrasive vegan persona of the past because that that's that's really the persona i just i took on yeah because you would like go to places like you were like at a ball once right and you were like this lady had a fur coat on like hey uh you're a murderer you know just telling you i mean you seem like a nice person a nice murderer but you're a murderer like and you kind of escorted you out of the out of the place that that happened that happened and i'm straight up like honestly i it's that was hard for me to put in the book because i'm i'm embarrassed like a lot of people that are close to me don't even know that that was a thing that happened because i'm just so embarrassed that it happened but that you know that's a part of my story like i i was that person and yeah. i think it, i think it's i think it's amazing because what we've learned now with you know with with the way our lives have gone is sharing you know your stories um if you're unashamed to share your past and you can actually share it it can show people what's possible and so like who you were does not have to inform who you are becoming or who you can be yeah. And, and I started, so, you know, eventually I, you know, I read some stuff about effective communication and, you know, some stuff like that. And I sort of started to calm down. I started to ease up a little bit and I, you know, was learning some, some new, th- new, new ways to communicate. And as I did that, you know, he had just lost a hundred pounds. So he's more open already, but also I'm changing the way I'm approaching it, 
so initially it's like I'm this angry abrasive vegan and he's this angry anti-vegan. We're just like clashing. We're clashing. But then eventually when when I turned around when I turn sort of turned my life around, whatever you want to call it, and he turned his life around, now he's more open to what I'm saying. And then finally I was able to, you know, I was able to get him. Yeah, I mean I we, we we grew up. I mean, we grew up I grew up I grew up thinking I grew up like not liking vegetarians. So when he went when he went vegetarian and vegan, like I didn't like it. And so it was like Clash of the Titans in our household. And, you know, I'd scream steak and eat bacon in front of him. <laughs> and if our mom if our mom just would make a meal as a nice gesture for him and say it's vegan, I would get he pissed and I would leave. And I would go go to go get fast food or something like that. So and, and that's why we love shit. That's why we Did you ever did you ever like did you ever spit on his vegetables when he wasn't looking or <laughs> I don't think well, I don't think I was ever that. I don't think I was ever that much of an asshole, but you know, there was Yeah, I mean, he and sometimes it was it was like more of like a passive aggressive thing where yeah. it was just like you know he just doesn't part of it was like he didn't want to admit that like oh his younger brother like you know did something before him like there's a layer of that um, or I just don't want to I mean part part of it's denial I, I don't like he can't be right about that because animals can't be being treated that way because I'm an animal lover and that can't be true yeah. so you resist that as long as you can and I did and eventually like with my with my weight loss transformation what happened to me is I started to become more open to things that I could have been wrong about because I started to feel empowered about life. And so it was a perfect storm in that he was becoming a more quality human being and a better communicator, and I was becoming a more quality human being and more open to learning. And eventually he did get me. Yeah, and what's interesting is it strikes me that the book is divided in a way that kind of parallels your own stories, right? Like, Phil, you got into this for kind of uh, the, the the moral sort of uh you know the moral argument of it i mean through a real experience of of enlarged compassion right and matt you got into it because you were really unhappy with your own life where you're struggling with weight and health and it's interesting because the book kind of deals with both right the book deals with compassion and a, a sort of expanded compassion including you know all parts of the animal kingdom and also you talk about things like athleticism like the fact that if, you know, as a gentleman, you things are a little soft that, you know, some of the excessive meats, like maybe you don't need Cialis or all these things, maybe you can stop. So like you, you, you're sort of packaging, there's two ways, like it's not just going to help expand your compassion, but it's going it, to, it's, it's going to actually really probably enhance your well-being. I mean, you talk about, um, uh, uh, you know, some of the star athletes, like, uh, Serena Williams and Carl Lewis, nice people who are vegans. Absolutely, and I mean, since writing the book, I mean, it's, it's I mean, vegan vegan eating has exploded, especially especially in America. We I mean, wanted we wanted to keep editing it because things just kept things piling just, in. Things <laughs> kept, kept piling, piling up. I mean, it's like you know, you have I mean, professional athletes they're going vegan in droves. I mean, you I have mean, half of the, half of the Tennessee Titans are vegan now. Yeah, I, I mean, and then you got celebrities like Beyonce, Beyonce going vegan. You've got. Uh, Billionaires like Richard Branson, Bill Gates, the Google guys, and they're funding it. Yeah, they're they're investing in in different plant based companies. You've we've even now we've got Tyson Foods and Cargill, which are two of the largest meat companies in the world. They're even investing in companies like Beyond Meat and also in Impossible Foods, and their and their uh, Tyson is actually creating their own plant based protein line. So I mean, like things are shifting in just in just a massive way and i mean it's just i mean it's a, it's an exciting time to be alive and just just to witness it witness be a it part of it do you worry about like when tyson gets into it the veganism is going to be ruined like when a big corporation like that gets into it it's like okay they're going to find a way to be cruel to the plants it'll happen so so we so we actually think i mean we'll be straight up dude did we foresee the future where fucking tyson gets involved to like making the world a better place we feel like we're at a place where sure, like things can go, things can go south. Companies can do like maybe things that are less than desirable, but largely what we're seeing is like capitalism and capital and money is going in many ways. It's going vegan. It's going vegan right now. And so going that direction, honestly, it's going to be a lot of good. It's going to be a lot of spreading. Well, I mean, I mean, clearly the election of Donald Trump recently shows that the country is getting more altruistic and more compassionate and open to things like vegan. <laughs> well, like, I mean, that with what we with what we think is we we do view. You think if you could get an hour with Trump, you could have eaten veg, vegetarian Big Mac? Oh, absolutely. Oh, straight up. We'll oh, be, yeah, we'll, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, also, we actually think that it's the we actually think that the interesting thing is we're at a place in time in America where it's never been more kind of 
the feeling is never more divided. But the interesting thing is that there there's one thing that kind of can bring everyone together from all these different spectrums. And it really is what's going on in the plant-based world in vegan. Like we have friends that are, you know, investment bankers, police officers, military. journalists, military, stay-at-home moms. Like Pastors they're, they're all coming to the table. You know, some are on the right, some are on the left. This is kind of a thing that's just become it's a it's a it's an issue of our time that's transcended the political landscape. And it's now something that's in many ways apolitical that I think we can all agree on. And are you are you guys the two most confident guys in a bar with women? Because like I just said, to you, do you think you could convert Trump to veganism? And without a doubt, I mean, are you guys just I mean, do you guys ever have confidence issues? Because I think like if you think that. I mean, you guys, I mean, this is, you guys have to be on the, on the, on the high, 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 high end confidence <laughs> spectrum. Well, dude, it's, this is actually crazy. I'm having this crazy realization as you're saying that when I first went vegan, I was probably, I was the most shy, socially awkward motherfucker you've ever met in your entire life. Not, when I was in 10th grade, like I had fucking like, dude, I wore a sock on my hand. I've yeah. had like these weird bracelets. I wore like just weird shit out of the fucking, a fucking mohawk for a week. I was just weird. And and our mom actually like our parents would introduce him to other people as shy, which makes your kid more shy. So like he was as shy as you could get. And but over the and over the course of time cuz you know I got involved when I first went vegan, you know it's like I'm I'm this angry abrasive vegan, but I want I want people to go vegan. So I'm just figuring out like how do I get these people to go vegan? So I'm learning about effective communication. And part of it, you know, I, I started uh, I started handing out leaflets on college campuses. So I was kind of like this like, like fucking like vegan missionary person. But but as I'm doing it, I'm not presenting myself. I'm not presenting myself as this like vegan zealot as like, you know, I'm holier than, than thou. I'm like sacrificing. I'm like sacrificing my time and all this shit. It's like I'm just doing my thing. And it's like I'm trying to motivate and encourage people on their journey. But I'm learning a lot about effective communication, a lot about how to motivate and inspire people to change. And – over the course of time, I mean, you do build confidence doing all that stuff. And over time, as you're interacting with more and more people, we've gotten to a point now where we actually think the easiest people to get to go vegan are the people that all the other vegans, they, they look at these people over here, you know, like Trump or whoever you want to look at, hunters, rednecks, whatever. They look at these people and they're like, oh, those people are a million miles away. They'll never go vegan. Those are the people we like hanging out with the, yeah. the most because what's what, what's going on? Vegans are looking at them saying – those people are pieces of shit. They're looking at us saying, "Those, you know, we're pieces of shit." All we need to do is that one person. All we need to do is be slightly better than a piece of shit, and they're yeah. like, "Oh, you guys are actually pretty cool." Yeah, one <laughs> one person. Let me tell you, I've only I've only talked to you guys for fifteen minutes. It's never occurred to me that either of you was a piece of shit. I mean, you both seem like decent people. Well, yeah, it's at one point. That well, that's was, that was I, a, I think that's the reason in the book we share our stories from the past because we're showing you what is possible in life. You do not have to be defined by who you were. Because we were those people at, at points in our lives. I was obese and going to be dead by the time I was 30. I was depressed and, and thought about suicide. He was shy, socially awkward, and didn't know how to make eye contact with people. This is who we are now. Anything's possible. We, we're at this point where the, the people who we've, who we've become along our path of life, being vegan is part of it. It's been a very empowering process. And like we just love life more and more each day. And we don't want to tell anyone how to live their life. We just want to invite everyone to maybe see how life can get better and invite them in. And if there's any questions we can answer or anything we can do to help you out, like we're here for you because we're all just trying to figure it out together. No, you guys... I mean, one, Matt, you went to like an, an evangelical college, just shy of a Bible college. So you guys came from a religious background? We did. Extreme, we did. Extremely religious. We would on even, the fringe. We would even consider, I mean, a lot of people would consider it like a quasi cult. Like we weren't on, we didn't live on a compound, but I mean, we were straight up. It was like, you know, it was. A, what, 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 what was the background? What was the. So, the, I mean, the denomination is Assemblies of God, but straight up. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I, there's sure. a lot of people. And, and like, you know, it is a fairly crazy denomination to everyday society our church was but, probably the single the single like it was on it the was, edge it was, it was probably on the, edge. the craziest and on top of that like i think you know i think you could go to our church you know for years and you're not gonna have the same experience as we had like we, we were, were the fucking diehards we were in we were in church twice on you were raising your hands in the music song oh, raising our hands okay. speaking in tongues speaking in tongues all that stuff Yes. And, uh, but we were like, I mean, we and were the getting, and getting, stuff. and getting authoritatively disciplined and yeah, like, yeah. 
emotionally kind of manipulated by the leadership in the church being scolded all the time. We had, we had folders kept on all the records yeah, of our yeah. wrongdoings told that we're rebellious spirits as children. And so, I mean, we were, we were put through it uh, but, growing up. But with, with that said, when you're told you're a rebellious spirit as a kid, you're like, hells yeah. Like, I mean, Hey, in many sure. ways we do feel like that's a positive, that's yeah. a positive aspect of our past because you know, that's, pro- we probably held on to yeah. like, we are our own individuals in some way. And I think when you're hearing drilled into you over and over and over again, you're rebellious. You do take on that persona and eventually you're you like, just, la- it's like the law of attraction. Yeah, you've escaped and like, you know, you're changing the world on the other, on the other side. But one of the things we love is that like, we love seeing like, you know, we came from our crazy upbringing, but we love seeing mainstream Christianity and people from all mainstream different types religion, of religious yeah. backgrounds. I mean, you, you've even gotten Fra- Franklin Graham, even he's gone vegan. So like, this is not something where it's like, oh, if you're like religious or you're Christian, like you're not like this isn't for you. It's like no, this is for everyone. And there's probably even people from our old church that are finally they're they're probably even coming around now. So I mean, do you think? I wonder how has your own Christian past shaped this? I mean, because I hear you guys saying you know the power of forgiveness, and you, you don't have to be the person you were. That 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 things can be new. I mean, is that something you've kept from your own? Absolutely. Well, I, th- I, I think, think we ran away from it for a little bit. No, absolutely. We did run away because we were both militant atheists. I mean, that was our reaction to our upbringing. Um, I think what we- all you needed was CrossFit, like you had the trifecta. And I did CrossFit. I did do CrossFit for a little bit. So I, I was there. He was in it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. One of the things, one of the things <laughs> I, I, I thought about, that. You, there, there are several positive, uh, there are several positive takeaways from our upbringing. One of those is that we don't just, we, we were raised with this as much as there were negatives there were a lot of negatives but there are positives that we've been able to draw out we were raised with this idea that we were being we were being prepared to change the world we were raised to believe that we could have an impact just us as one individual we could we could somehow do something in the world we could change the world and that's something that stuck with us for sure and i think also you were talking about forgiveness and everything one of the things that we didn't get growing up is we didn't get forgiveness. We didn't gra- get grace. We got guilt. We got shame. We got piled on. That's what we got. So we're not going to give that to anyone else. We, we are going like. to give you forgiveness. We are going to give you grace because a magical thing happens when you accept someone as they are. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because I think, you know, this is, uh, what does St. Paul say? You know, where the law, where the law, the law increases the trespass, right? If you say to somebody, don't step on the grass. The first thing they want to do is step on the grass. So, I mean, I feel like you got you guys in your book try to sort of uh, be more descriptive than prescriptive. Rather than say, don't do this, this. It's sort of like, hey, let me give you a picture of what life is like when you when you go at it this way. You know, as if it's not the only way to go about it. Uh, but, you know, this we think it's it's been really compelling and life-giving for us. We spent, you, too, we spent too much time. Being, being told what to do, how to think. And sometimes we did that to other people. Yeah. And we're not interested in it. We're inter- Life's a journey and we're all just trying to figure it out. And this is like our book is an invitation to a conversation. It's not, yeah, we don't, we, we definitely, we, we're done telling people, telling other people what to do or forcing our views on other people. Like this is the way we're living. This, we think, you know, it's, it's working out pretty good and we're, we feel like we're living more in line with our values. Uh, but we don't want to force our views on any, anyone else and we don't want to make anyone feel bad for what they're doing. We want to be more understanding and we want to just like, you know, if you want, if you have any questions or you want to, you know, explore this stuff, like let's fucking do this shit. Yeah. Now, now coming from this kind of conservative evangelical world, you probably heard this term missionary dating where people kind of date. date, Have you ever, have you ever missionary dated as a vegan? Like, look, this chick's really cute and she's very attractive. You know, I don't know if it's going to be long term, but if I could get her, hook her in just long enough to get the lifestyle, to get the lifestyle done. For sure, dude. Like we're all about, we're, we're supporting that shit. But it's like, it's like, you know, I don't know what you're getting. No, it's, but, I mean, here's, here's what we'll say. Like with, with, with who we, we're, we're very, like you're saying, we're very confident and empowered in ourselves. Our goal is not to impose anything on other people. What happens when you do that and you accept people as they are and you're living your life to the fullest and enjoying every moment, what happens, dude? Everyone wants to be a part of it, Right. So if we're, if either of us is dating a girl who happened to not be vegan, I mean, I've not seen it happen where she doesn't move that direction, if not all the way, you know, it's just an inevitability. Yeah. Yeah. Love is the opposite of control, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Now it's interesting because you say in the book that you're not just bros, you're bros. Like you're not just brothers, but you're like bros. You're like, you're you're not going to like foreign film fests. 
you're not sort of you know the most like organic living people like you're kind of hey like you know I mean, the title vodka is vegan. You spend a lot of time in cocktails. You like we like to throw sick parties. Like we we don't do BYOB. We we go hardcore. And you know what? You can go hardcore. Wake up in someone else's underwear and a pile of your own vomit, and have done the whole thing vegan. Amen. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. See that, that that's another thing. See that should be in, in the second edition. That should be the the. the I like that. Yeah, we got. That's right. good. I think you're right, dude. And that yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like we it's not we're. In the past, I was this, you know, holier than thou, self-righteous vegan. And, you know, I understand people that are still doing it that way. But it's just like we want to break things down, make it as simple as possible, make it as easy as possible. And make it like it's like, dude, like we're just a couple of bros just hanging out and we're just we're just relaxing and fucking changing the world. And how do you know? How do you know? You can do it too. How do you know that our book is ushering in what, you know, what we jokingly but truthfully refer to as vegan world domination? Because you have the wholeness, you have the completion process, you have bros ushering that in, right? We don't have the, the hippies are already there. Everyone hippies. else is already there. Now it's the opposite, the opposite has completed it. Now you cannot <laughs> say anyone isn't because That's everyone so is. So, so I remember in Jersey Shore, they were like GTL, gym, tan, laundry. You guys are going to be like VWD, vegan world domination. Oh, I like it. Shit. I like it. That's yeah. a hashtag. That's a hashtag. Hashtag VWD. That is a hashtag. Oh, that's, that's, that's a hashtag. That's it. That, that is our hashtag. We, I think we do that on all, like, all our Instagram. <laughs> I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, afternoon, or evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it because of the conversations you find here? If the answer to the aforementioned questions is yes, or even just a solid maybe, would you do something for me? Would you consider becoming a Patreon sponsor of the podcast for just five bucks a month? Or more, it's for a good cause. You can help this podcast and one of the many others I do keep going. And you can help launch several other podcast projects I've got in the works. So I invite you to be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David Babico, Ellis Brazil, David Zoll, Sari Graham, Peter Steigerwald, Samantha Blythe, David Norling, Charlotte Donlin, Barry Stewart, Larry Rule, Stephen Lipless, John Schneider, Ben Crosby, Liam O'Brien, Jim Crest, Stephen Rowe, Ben DeHart, Jordan Morseberger, Josh Redder, Jennifer Underwood, Kai Wittenig, Simone Garabedian, Samantha Konauer, and Jim Kirk. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the show. You think of Citizens United a couple years ago and, and Supreme Court decisions like that, and you think of just you know people that are in, in environmental activists and just so much of the counter to the alternative clean energy movement is just it's lobbyists. I mean, you, you know, do you guys feel like this is the challenge? I mean, although you joke about Tyson, but I mean, really, I mean, it's part of the challenge. Like the, the vegans, there's lots of them, right? But it's not like they organized together in a corporate structure, you know, or maybe there, I'm sure there's some activist movements for this stuff, but th there's no big vegan, uh, massive fortune, you know, 500 corporation that can buy mega lobbyists on case. And yet all of the factory farming that rip off pig testicles and pull their teeth out and take calves from their mother and all the manner of animal cruelty you talk about, they can afford the best lobbyists and, and, and armies of them. I mean, how do you counter that? kind of power and influence i you know i think it's like uh, I, to, uh, to me i view it as like vegan eating has the momentum like yeah maybe there's more there's more meat and there's the meat industry has more resources or whatever but vegan eating has the momentum and it's just picking up more and more every day and we're we're in a place where like we're in a place where disruptors are are the are what are what happens in this world and straight up like where there were lobbyists that could that could that could be in Washington and kind of hide in the corners at lounges and slip money to people and get get politicians to do things. Guess what? Now we have the internet 
And that just doesn't work as well anymore. So they can have money. But the fact is, the money's going down. So eventually, eventually, everyone, including Congress, is just going to be like, dude, we're kind of done with this whole like this whole lobbying thing. You guys aren't getting it anymore. Or they're going to have to level the playing field and extend it to the other side. And at that point, at that point, the money game for them is over because it's equalized. So either way, we think it's it's an inevitability. And and on top of that, there are a lot of executives and, and high level people at different companies that are vegan. So even right. though the company itself may not be 100% vegan, there are executives that are, you know, doing what they can at a high level within, within these companies to create change. Is, is that, I'm sure you know people like this, right? Cause, because, you know, you're kind of connected to them, that you're the bros of the movement, you're, but you're meeting all these people. It, it, do those people feel conflicted? Like I'm living a double life. Like I'm a vegan personally. And yet I'm in this corporate structure. That's fun. I mean, is that, is that an existential kind of bind for people that, you know, I mean, what I think, I think it could be, I think it could be. And what we want to do is we want to let those people know we view you as high level activists. Please don't view yourself at, don't, don't view it as like, I mean, do what you want, do what you want. But it's like, it's to us, it's not compromising your ethics. It's like, you're inside, you're on the inside. Like you can, you, you have, have opportunity to opportunity impact things at a higher level than most than people do. Anyone. Like it's a dream that we have you there. Like stay there. In our opinion, it's like you're doing so much good if you stay there and you do what you can from within the company, you know. And we've we've already seen this book um, impacting a lot of those high level people and making them feel empowered and connected because a lot of them have wondered what what they want to identify as or who they want to identify with, and maybe they wanted to be careful about not wanting to identify with like a fringe group of like maybe angry activists. And the good news is that's part of the past. Like there are some of those people. But they're basically in the fringes, the corner of society at this point. This is the main, the mainstream of veganism is all about acceptance, inclusion, and all these businesses funding the future. So we, we're encouraging these people to be, you know, to, to feel good about who they are and embrace that at whatever level they're at. Now, you pepper this book with fun facts. I want to read one of them. There's just, you know, a little text box. Fun fact. Bambi's mom was a deer. And we all cried when she was shot and killed. Damn straight. You know, so it's, it's that simple. It takes bros to realize simple <laughs> stuff like that sometimes. How crazy is that? You know, that's the thing. I mean, you know, we identified as animal lovers growing up, which is how most of us as Americans do identify. It's true. But it's just that, like, there was some successful propaganda for, for decades that worked because there wasn't as much freedom of information. But it's here now, you know, so we can everyone knows and everyone's finding out and everyone's like, holy crap, that's so true. I did cry or I wanted to, or I wanted to, but I'm a man. So I felt like I shouldn't. So I held back the tears. So nobody saw me crying. But now I bet like women love when you say that, Hey, look, Bambi smile. I cried. Oh, for sure. that's oh, where we're totally, at. Dude. That's yeah, where we're at. We exactly. always say, we always say, oh. if you're a dude, if you're a dude, dude and you're like a three, you go vegan and you're instantly like at least a seven. <laughs> For you think it's four points? I think it could be more. It could and be more. Straight up, I, I, I would. You think you could, One of the things that I found is like. Wow, I, man. One, just, just. I mean, I'm a man. I'm a married man, but if I was a bachelor, I mean, that would have been the best selling point right there. A four it is. point bump. Straight up, just being vegan. That dude, there is. It, there's, a, there, there's been a shift because when you tell a girl that you're vegan, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a power associated with it. Like there, the vibe shifts. When you tell a girl that you haven't eaten meat in 14 years, that takes the vibe to it. So what you're, what you're saying is you go to the gym three days a week and tell women you're vegan. And if you're just not a complete asshole, you're going all nines and tens. I mean, you're really you're, – you're, 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 you're getting the quality women that are, that are bright and attractive. You're living, and in, you're living you're, in a completely different reality. In fact, <laughs> I can guarantee like if you have any listener dudes – who aren't vegan yet, but they're, they're actually listening to us, this conversation, like, holy shit, maybe I should. Just put it in your Bumble or Tinder profile and see what kind of, how the responses change. Because they'll, they'll change. No, you've seen this, you've seen this empirically. You, you've seen this empirically. <laughs> well, in, um, anecdotally. Anecdotally. Okay. Anecdotes count. I mean, that's empirical. If people say they've done it, you know, I, I take them, you know, good faith, you know, at their word, so to speak. So, so if vodka is vegan, becomes like a screenplay, right? And it's two bros that, you know, bros that are bros that go and make a v- VWD. Maybe it's just called VWD. I don't know. Who plays you guys in the film? That's interesting. Oh, man, I haven't thought about that. Hmm. I don't know. Okay, I just want to say, I love that you brought up that idea, though. 
That sounds really like, good. Like, dude, speak that shit. Speak that shit into existence. Probably, it would probably have to be, as, as much as you want to pick, like, the, the sexiest dudes in Hollywood, I have a feeling that I want it to be Will Ferrell and, um, what's the, what's, what's his name? Uh, right, right, uh. Yeah, the stepbrothers dudes. I forget his name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. What, what if they weren't... Ve- John C. Riley. What if they weren't vegan? Would you require they be vegan actors? No, 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 no. It's no. all good. No. No. It's, yeah, that's, see that, you know, what's so interesting, too, in the book at the end, what I love, and, and, and quite honestly, I've never encountered vegans that have pitched it this way. You're like, look, go vegan on Mondays. Go vegan three days a week. Like, don't... like. It's interesting because you're not ideological purists, right? You're like, look... Anything moving towards a sort of more plant-oriented lifestyle is great for the environment. It's going to be great for your own, you know, expanded sense of compassion for living things. And it's going to be great for your health. So, like, don't go all or nothing. It's not a zero-sum game, right? Like, you, you, can, you can make this lifestyle your own. I mean, do you, I, I love that. And do you, th- do you think that some of that spirit and open-handedness comes from the conservative religious background where you were told Christianity, it's got to be this way or no way. Dude, you're getting, you're, 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 you have really good insights because we've we've literally been talking about this lately. It informs, it informs everything about who we've become as people because we've experienced a lot more judgment, shame, and all of that stuff than others. And we've also inflicted it on people. So we know the full range of how that can work. And we just don't want to be those people anymore. We don't want to put that out into the world. Let me just pull out another fun fact you guys have. Let's do it. Let's hear it. Beer is delicious. That's it. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not all of it, of course. I mean, some, you know, but, but yeah, in general, it's, you know, I, I like that it's peppered with the fun facts. It's part of the fun, you know, uh, lore of the book. I, I want you talk about some arguments that you get in response, like we're the apex predators or, or sort of, I mean, Who's the best interlocutor, the best anti-vegan you've ever talked with? You're like, you know what? They didn't give me straw man arguments. They actually really had compelling reason. Like these, they weren't that sort of tired. I mean, you guys have a video like we're like, oh, we're going to KFC. Not like just because of some of the apex predator or something like that. But yeah, I mean, you got, I mean, obviously you come up with like reflexive, unreflective arguments that are just knee-jerk. But have you interacted with people that actually have really thought through the issue, weighed things, and really... And you're like, oh, well, that's challenging. At least they thought about it. I mean, I feel like we've entered a time where, like, the pushback, we honestly, we don't really get pushback anymore. And if we do, it's like, we're understanding of where people are at on on their journey. So if someone's like, you know, there might be someone who says, like, oh, I like the way meat tastes. So I I can't go vegan. It's like, we yeah. understand. We, we like understand. The way meat too. Yeah, because I mean, we ate meat for most of our lives, and we didn't give it up because we don't like the way it tastes. We just learned how animals were treated, and you know, learned about how it was fucking up the environment and all that shit. So, you know, that's that's why we became vegan. But it's also like you know, it's like yeah, it's like you don't. In order to eat a few vegan meals or to explore the food, you don't need to go 100 percent vegan. You can just be like, you know, what? at the next meal, I'm going to eat a Beyond Burger just to try it out. So it's like really nowadays, I would say pushback. It's like we don't really even get pushback anymore. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we really don't. We really don't. And we have, you know, we have people in our people in our family and around us that have been that have grown up as hunters. Like we grew up fishing. There, there's a path, you know. There, there, there's a path for everyone. And we find ourselves just because of the the. I mean, listen, dude. There, we're not, we're not like we're living lives where we're not picking sides anymore. There's no sides to be on. We're all just trying to figure shit out. And so it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. For somebody on the quote unquote other side, which which is an illusion, to try to battle us because we're not going to battle you. Like we're not. It's all good, dude. We're hanging out. That's a beautiful place to be, and also in in contemporary America, almost a lonely place to be, right? Because everybody is picking sides. It's funny in America if you're if you're a gun rights person, you think the the gun uh, law advocates, you know, the gun control advocates are winning and going to take away our guns. If you're a gun ad, uh, restriction advocate, you think the NRA runs the country. If you're a conservative, you think socialists are taking over the country. If you're a liberal, the right wing fascists are taking. If you know, if you if you're, you know, so it's it's everybody thinks that the others. Every, everybody is tribal and everybody is adversarial. So I mean, that's an interesting path you're trying to chart because it, it it's few and far between very often. People that are not trying to to define things via kind of antagonism, us versus them. Oh, right? totally. To me, right. it's like, uh, like it's, it's hard. It, it can be hard to sit down at the table 
and just listen to someone who just totally disagrees with what with what you're saying, the way you're living, and whatever. But to to us, it's like someone needs to do it. Like we we also think that that's the only true way to move forward as an individual. If yep. you're looking at somebody on the other on the quote unquote other side, if you believe that believe that there's two sides, if you're if you find yourself to be one of those people who says, "I can't believe, I just can't believe how anyone could think like you." Then that that's means a, you need to sit with those people because you should be able to say, you know I what? Do Based on your life, your background, and, and talking to you, yeah. I do kind of understand where you're coming from. Because it all, if you think about it, I mean, at the end of the day, if someone believes something, it, it it probably makes sense. You can probably make sense of it. And in a weird way, even if you fall on you know two separate sides of the the of, of a certain issue, like at the end of the day, the the goal, the result that everyone wants is typically the same result people just are battling saying yeah. this is the way to do it no this is the way to do it and really it's like maybe we need to maybe we need to listen to each other we need to listen to both sides and we need to figure out how to get to move forward together to get there it's beautiful yeah th- this is like this is like t.s Eliot. i think said that there's no such thing as a false theory because somewhere in some context that theory was true otherwise somebody didn't come up with it to make sense of something right so 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 there's so if you can figure out the the space from which somebody came up with this theory about how life makes sense, you can understand it. And also it helps you dialogue with a person and share your own theories because you, you realize the situatedness of, of your own, of your own views. Absolutely. And we've lived as opposing view. We've already lived as completely opposite people. We are now we've already lived that way. So we understand that we understand that we're all, we're all battling like internal demon internal. struggles and also also, we're products of our environment, upbringings, and traumas. That's just a reality. And we're taught in society to not ever deal with those things and brush them under the rug and pretend like they don't exist and they're not real. And they're real for all of us. And the more that we realize that, that's actually probably the single most thing that we have in common as humans. We've all been fucked up as kids. And we, we all have reasons that we're thinking the things we're thinking now. And if we don't figure it out, we don't, we don't understand what the fuck happened when we were kids. It's like we're carrying that with us for the rest of our lives and it's – playing out over and over and over again before you know we're all taking battling. sides and we're battling. Yeah, there was a piece in the New York Times last week, and a friend of mine, actually, another podcast, did a podcast discussion about it. There was a piece in the New York Times by a philosopher at Dickens College arguing for a secular appreciation of original sin and talking about how we all are flawed. And and it it allows us to be more humble and extend more compassion. This sort of sense of this this idea that everybody, yeah, that we're all parented by very imperfect Parents, right? You know, show me a family that's not dysfunctional. I'll show you a family that keeps good secrets, right? I mean, th- th- this is the story of Dude, that's so human good. F- frail, you know, f- faltering family life. And so that, I mean, that sense, right, makes it, assuming that, right, probably makes it easier to be more humble yourself and, and more gracious with other people. Agreed, dude. You know, it's when we, when we, when we look in, when we look inside of ourselves, and we see the flaws and we also see we also we also show ourselves grace because, you know, we understand like how we got to this place. But then we can extend that to other people when we're looking outside and we're saying, like, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. Where's the where's where's what's wrong? Beginning. It's inside. It's inside. When there's always, when there's turmoil out here, that means there's stuff going on in here that we haven't addressed yet. And there's I mean, there's always I mean, we're never going to live in a perfect world. We should always be striving for progress and striving to get better. So it's like, we're never going to be at a point where it's like, Oh, there's nothing going on out here. That's bad. It's like, but it's like, if that's all you're seeing, it's like, that's indicative of there's something going on inside of you that you need to, you need to, to deal with. And that's not saying that there's nothing wrong out here, but it's like, if that's all you're seeing, it's like, you need to, maybe it is something you need to look inside about. You guys spent some time in the book talking about your parents and, and the idea that why steak is good. because Chuck Yeager got a steak when he broke the sound barrier. Your dad's a pilot. And, and I mean, your mom, you know, you, they took you on exotic vacations because, you know, you could fly free and stuff. Your dad was a Delta pilot, I think. But, you know, it's interesting. You there, you also talk about the antagonisms. I mean, Phil, they were antagonistic to you with, with, the, with the ideology. And Matt, I mean, it sounds like your dad could be kind of a ball buster on the weight and how you're spending your time at college and these things. So, so I'm wondering how they've given their own sort of that you know they are they are uh they are proud carnivores and coming from this sort of religious tradition which i'm assuming they're still a part of uh, how did have they received your work so it's it's, it's been, been a crazy journey through life yeah the, because <laughs> when we left when we left our religious upbringing phil left first but when we both left how do you leave phil do you just say i'm not taking it anymore i'm out 
No, I mean, it's straight up, it's, I mean, it was a deprogramming process. That's, I mean, that's part yeah. of the reason why we think it's important to show everyone grace because it's like, dude, when you grow up like us, I'm sorry, you can't get out of that shit in one day. And you're surrounded, it's like all you're surrounded by, you're immersed in an environment where everyone's just believing just crazy ass shit and that's all you've ever known your entire life. So it's like, it was a process. I mean, it, it took years. I mean, yeah. I mean really, we're, we're still doing it. It's I mean, going to take our life. Like it's going to take our entire lives. Therapy for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Just thinking about it, you know, but it's like, it was a, it, it was a very, in the, in the beginning, it, it's like, I'd say the first two years was a big process. I mean, that's a big, cause you're just, you're leaving Stepping everything out. you know behind leaving your, your, your families, like what the family. fuck's going on, um, all that shit. Uh, but then eventually, you know, he's, he came around and yeah, ev- and, eventually I like, um, Probably as the probably as the older the oldest child, you know, because it's just, it's just the two of us. When I came home from college the year before I graduated, I told my parents. I said, "Just so you guys know, I'm not going to your church anymore." And straight up, like they made us, they made us go every week. But my, I think my parents realized when I said it that I had conviction behind what I was saying, and they realized, like, "Whoa, they're both adults. Like, they're really not going to go anymore. What are we going to do?" And so basically. Basically, they wanted me to have a meeting with the, the leadership of the church, which I did. And in the middle of the meeting, they're like telling me I'm a rebellious spirit and I'm realizing I'm an adult and they don't have authority over me anymore. So they, they, they were trying to like guilt me into sticking around and I realized like I'm leaving. And I told my parents after that meeting, I said, you know, we're, I said, I'm done. And they're like, you know what? We're done too. So they left the church. It was a deep, it's been a deprogramming, deprogramming process for right. them, for but they're, family. but the crazy thing, if they, they knew that if they hadn't have left, there would have been strained family relations forever because straight up they're, they're the, the, the way when you, the way you view other people that aren't in your church, when you're at that church, they're literally the scum of the world. Like they're evil. You can't even, talk to them. You can't. I mean, associate with them even most of the people that went to our church we view it as like scum less than people <laughs> was there was this were there seating charts scum over there scum over here your primo it was because if you if you weren't if you weren't into it enough if you weren't there enough there were all these different things that you just learned you're judging people based on and it's like basically nobody like everyone who went to the church like they weren't like like they they went to the church but they weren't like diehards it's like we were the fucking diehards. So but yeah, they they we all escaped, and they're still they they they're still Christians. Like we're not, you know, we don't we don't label label ourselves. We actually honestly don't really label label ourselves anything anymore. Um, they they so they moved out to Washington, about an hour south of Seattle. They're just loving life right now, and, and they both it. and they both went vegan, and like they're both vegan now. Like our, a bunch of our a bunch of our cousins, aunts, uncles are all vegan. It's yeah. crazy. So it's, and, and it's we're closer. Amazing. The craziest part is that we're closer with our parents now than we were, you know, at any point earlier. Do do some of those like evangelical Christians in your past say, "Look, you're better evangelists than we are. You turned your family vegan. You ever like, you know, could you do seminars on how to like do church outreach based on your vegan experience? I would love, I would love it. I would I mean, love to could. do that. I, mean, I need to. I should be your agent. I mean, Dude, I, I, I think of all these. Angels. You're giving us ideas. We're down. We were just on a podcast called uh, the Bad Christian Podcast, and it was like I, I know, I know that podcast. Oh, you know it, dude. Oh, uh, dude, we had a blast. I think it was amazing. Come, it was so good. Week, yeah, yeah, and the, yeah, we used to listen to their that, their band. We're 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 a product. We're a product of our of our upbringing. We're a product of that, and we've learned. I mean, we've embodied all the we've embodied all the positive takeaways. Honestly, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what that's what we tried to do. We're trying to do, yeah. So let me is this like I know Matt, you you've done some stuff like you, you've run some gyms, oh, started some gyms, sold some gyms, you're into training. Phil, I know a little less about your vocation. But is this how much is is being vegan evangelist? Your your or vegan activist? Your life? I mean, what's your full? Like, how does this? How does your own vegan sort of activism? intersect with you know sort of making a living and making ends meet well i mean i you know i can we we partnered began partnering together about four, just shy of four years ago and prior to that you know he was doing his his gym stuff which i mean he they you know he was a crazy successful entrepreneur like right out of the gate just just raking it in and he had three separate gyms that he that he started and, and um turned successful and then sold and while he was doing that i was you know, sort of, I, I became, you know, I had just recently gone vegan and I was like pa- super passionate. So I, be- I was like, what I guess you could call it like fucking a vegan activist. And, but it's, but it also, it's like the way I'm doing activism, like I'm not, I didn't even call myself an activist because I know when you call yourself an activist, it conjures up negative images. There's a stereotype of somebody shouting angry things. Yeah. So I know that.
telling people with fur coats that they're murdered. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's that's when I was like, I was like, what I would consider it's like a like a almost like a fake activist. Like I was yelling at someone wearing a fur coat, acting like I'm changing the world. I was like, no, that's not that's not, that's the opposite. When I became an activist, that's when I started becoming like a normal. I started blending in with society. I was becoming more mainstream. My appearance changed. I became more confident. My I started becoming more effective at communicating with people. I stopped looking down on people. I started being more accepting of people from with other viewpoints, from other walks of life. And I just started, you know, it was just, it was, it was insane. And I started out, I handed out, uh, I worked for a nonprofit called Vegan Outreach. I handed out like 200,000, over 200,000 leaflets, Vegan Outreach leaflets on college campuses. So I did that shit. So he started, he started out volunteering because he was so passionate about what yeah. he was doing, which I, I just want to point out that that is an amazing trait for a person to just, they, they get so into something that they're a self-starter and they just want to immediately just do their part. So I think that's a very entrepreneurial trait. Um, if any people aren't entrepreneurs but see themselves starting, just getting involved in things, that's a very admirable trait. And what happened with Phil is he started out volunteering and he just started working his way up the chain just almost effortlessly because he was so into what he was doing and into becoming a better version of that. So eventually he, he, eventually he was offered a job. And then, and then he ended up getting offered a job with Mercy for An- Animals, kind of at the top, really, of the nonprofit world as their national campaign director. And he's traveling around the country like nine times, getting interviewed on like 900 media outlets around the world, and really just being involved in some of the most, some of the coolest work that um, the animal advocacy movement was doing at the time. When you hand out 200,000 leaflets, do you learn all the tricks where people are like, okay, they're not really looking at their phone. They're just trying to avoid eye contact. Okay, they're not really looking at the sky. This is a bullshit look away. I mean, I would guess you're a student of like people trying to consciously avoid you. Straight up, dude. Dude, I, when I started, when I got involved in activism, I was still insanely shy. I was still insanely socially awkward. I could barely, I, I honestly, I couldn't hold a conversation with, a, with, a, with another person. Like if I just met someone, I wouldn't know it. It's like, I couldn't do it. And I started leafleting. And when you're just interacting one-on-one with people. You know, For the record, I didn't know that was a verb, leafleting. Oh, leafleting. <laughs> You've just expanded my vocabulary. Hilarious. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. But uh, when you're doing that on a daily basis and you're just handing out, I mean, thousands of leaflets a day. I mean, you're interacting with so many people one-on-one. I mean, you're, you're, I'm, I'm catching on to the nuances. It's like, yeah, it's like, you know, when I stand and when I stand with this body language, like this happens when I, when I like sort of maneuver, it's like you get into nuances. I yeah. mean, just like the stupid minutiae. I got to a point where it's like, you know, you learn where it's like, okay, if you try really, really, really hard, people think you're fucking weird and they don't want anything to do with you. But if you don't try, you act like you don't give a shit. People want what you have. So it literally, I works. could see if, if it was like a, if like during class changes, there's just tons of people walking by and you're just like left and right, you're just handing out just like thousands or hundreds or whatever. But then there's, there's times when there's no class change and there's just, you know, nobody's walking around and someone you could tell they're just walking to try to get around you to not, you know, take a leaflet from you. And if you just kind of like, you know, just super laid back, just like, you know, you start walking toward them, just acting like you want this. This is something that you want to take. They will catch on to that and they'll change the direction that they're walking. So it's not you going to them. They'll change the direction where they walk and they'll come to you. It's, 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 the, old, it's the old art of playing hard to get. Oh, totally. It is. It is. I learned. Things, right? This is a many, 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 many. Exactly. I learned. I mean. So back to the question. That, do it, so so, so what, what do you guys put on your W-2s? Like what are your tax forms? Like what do you. So I mean, we've, we've done. I mean, since since we've, we've started partnering together, we've done a lot of different things. We, we have we've have our. Uh, Fat loss transformation course that we've we've launched every few months. We have our apparel line. We ha- right now we have you know we have our our book that we're focusing on. We signed a book deal, and so right now, really, what we're focusing on right now, we have our we're promoting we're focusing on promoting our book, which is like the number one thing we're doing right now. And then in September, we have a new company that we're launching that we aren't necessarily we can't we talk really, about. Yeah, we aren't really talking about. <laughs> but that's what we're hard to get. So that's sexy. That's sexy. You can't even talk about. Well, I mean, you could just put on your W two on your tax forms like VWD, right? Vegan World Dominators. That's who we are. I mean, here you go. But we've got something on the horizon. We've got something big that we're working on here. It's it's the, the company. It's big. Oh, dude, this this is the. I mean, the book right now is the thing. This is something that has really helped. It's really been our been our teacher over the past couple of years during this process, and we are so excited to be sharing this with the world. Like, this is our baby. This is the thing we're the, we're the most proud of in life right now. And we're so excited how well received it's being. And we just can't wait for everyone to read it. 
Aside from that, this company is a culmination of everything. This book and this company are culminations of everything that we've learned up until this point, and we're very excited to share it with the world. Well, I'll tell you, it's a great book. I really enjoyed reading it, and I will confirm that you neither of you are at a-holes. So, the, I mean, it, the, the, the proof is in the pudding, and there you go. And vodka is definitely vegan. And before we go, what's your favorite vodkas? So I actually like uh, – Tito's has become – become a real I, big staple in america I, i'll tell you i'll tell you that i mean for domestic vodka the price point when, when you get to drinkability taste and price point it's at the sweet spot yeah that's what's up if, if i'm going classy if i'm going classy with like a martini or something i might do belvedere i like belvedere a lot too but it's a little pricier phil you same thing or yeah I love, honestly i'm more just like if there's if there's alcohol i'll drink it you'll drink it it's, 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 it's wet it's fine if it's alcohol it's fine. do you guys drink gin at all Oh, no, 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 no. I had a bad experience. Gin makes you sin. Gin makes you sin. I'll drink gin. Yeah, Blue Coat. It's made in Philadelphia. It's excellent if you ever get your hands on it. So, Well, guys, thanks for writing this book. It's fantastic. And I really do recommend it to all listeners because it is, whether or not you intend to go vegan, uh, it's, a gr- it's a great read. And also, again, it's an open-ended approach that you might, veganism might enhance your life in a way you hadn't imagined because you're thinking all or nothing. It actually could be something that really integrates into your lifestyle in a way that, again, expands your compassion and improves your lifestyle. So, Well, we appreciate the kind words. And yeah, people can, uh, they can learn more about it at book.veganbros.com. And you can also find it anywhere, anywhere books are sold. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Thanks for having us on, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Give and Take. If you liked what you heard, please do a couple things for me. They are so helpful if you do them. Share this interview on social media or via email. Or tag someone in a tweet or something and say, hey, this is great. Check it out. Spread the love and goodness if you've found it here. Also, if you could go, please, 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 it takes like 60 seconds. Go to iTunes and write a review and give a, give a rating to the podcast. It really, really helps, especially as things are getting off the ground. And if you want to consider becoming a Patreon sponsor, you can just go right to the link on the podcast page, giveandtake.fireside.fm. You can find all the information there. Thanks to Matt and Phil for coming on the podcast. Do check out their book, Vodka is Vegan. It's well worth it. And thanks to you again for listening to Give and Take. Until next time, friends, fare thee well.